Well, I hope you had a fantastic day. How was the water? Who went whitewater rafting and braved it? How cold were you? Was it cold? Yeah. yeah. It was real cold. I know it was cold. Anybody, your fingers were like freezing? You could barely. Did anybody get hit in the face with a T grip today? Yeah, you got to watch out for that T grip. They say hang on to it for a reason. Who stayed back and played a little paintball? Anybody play a little paintball today? Anybody do the adventure race? I heard Steven got out there on the adventure. Anybody get real muddy for that? It was very muddy? Cool. Who slept all day? All right, all right. You can do that at home. Boo, boo. All right. Well, I know you're excited uh, uh, for tonight. We are going to do, guess what? We're going to do even more worship than we've done any other night. So you are going to get plenty of worship, plenty of time down front. You're not going to miss it. It's going to be an incredible night together tonight. And we want to kick it off um, by getting you, um, getting you before God's throne a little bit and thinking about his great plan that he has for you guys. So let me pray for us as we get started, and then we're going to dive right in tonight. Let's pray. Hey, God, thanks so much for every student in this room. God, thanks for the weekend that you've given us. God, you didn't have to give us this weekend. You didn't have to give us this place. You didn't have to give us your son. You didn't have to give us all the friends we've made here or the leaders that have been here with us, God. You didn't have to give us all this stuff, a band and uh, music and instruments and lights and sound and all the things that we have, God. We didn't have to have rafting or an adventure race, or paintball. We didn't have to have any of that. And yet, God, in your kindness and your love for us, you said, not only will I give you my son and forgive you all of your sin, I'm also going to give you enjoyment in life. I'm going to give you some stuff that you can enjoy. So, God, thanks for the stuff we got to enjoy all weekend long and for this night we get to spend together talking, singing, and hearing about you, God. We love you. Would you be with us uh, and make your presence known in this place tonight, God? Thanks for every student in this room for every heart that you've prepared. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, um, I'm going to start off with a little math lesson tonight. How many math fans do we have out there? Math fans? <laughs> math haters. Math haters. Any math haters out there? All right. All right. Well, I'm a, I'm a kind of a nerd, and uh, I kind of like numbers. Psh, stay with me. I kind of like numbers, and um, uh, when I read like uh, magazines and stuff, I look for little columns that have like number stuff. Like I'm a big sports guy, so growing up, I always had like the statistics on the back of baseball cards I had them memorized. To this day, I check um, like statistics all year long during baseball season and basketball season. I'm such a nerd. I'm like, who's scoring the most points this year? Who has the most blocks? You know, like anybody cares, but I do. I don't know why. And there's this one section in uh, Sports Illustrated called Go Figure that I always like to look at when I read it. It's just this thing where it basically gives you all these numbers. I think we have a picture of that to show you. It gives you these numbers on the side, and it says Go Figure. There's three, six, uh, and then there's the universe, and then three, six, and, and then 30, 17, uh, you know, Josh Smith, how many points he had, and all this. I'll spend, like, you know, a good portion of my reading looking down this joke, just going, looking at the numbers, I don't know why numbers matter to me so much, but I do. I just like numbers. So I, I was thinking, well, what, since we're talking about the Bible, I thought maybe we would dive in uh, tonight and I would give you a little Bible math quiz about some of the main numbers in the Bible. Does that sound good? I know. You guys are like, boring, right? But here's the deal. Some of you in this room, you've been waiting. Shh, you've been waiting for an opportunity to show off all your Bible knowledge this weekend, you know? Some of you, like, have, have, since you were a kid, you knew stuff. Like, this kid's like, he's got his fist in the air. It's like, bring it on. 
I know all the numbers by heart. He's still doing it. Like, I don't, five. I don't know. So here's the deal. I'm going to give you a few numbers. You shout out the answer if you know what it represents, okay? All right, here we go. For, we're going to put the numbers up here. First one, we'll go 40, okay? Who thinks they know what 40 represents? Just shout it out. Days and nights of what? Noah and the flood. Okay, you got one. Let's see, let's see what 40 is. What do we got? We got days and nights of the flood. We've got 40 years in the desert. Anybody get that one? Oh, you're so smart. And we have 40 days and nights of fasting for Jesus. Did you get that one too? Brilliant scholars. Hey, if you don't know any of this stuff, like you're not familiar with the Bible and the people around you are shouting it out like they're the greatest thing in the world, just make fun of them, okay? If you don't know it, they already know the Bible. They know they're supposed to forgive you, so it's all good, all right? So just say, oh, you're so cool, or whatever, all right? Number three, anybody know number three? What's number three? Three wise men, what? Three days from the tomb. All right, let's take a look. Let's see what it says. The Trinity, God, one God, three persons. Three days from the tomb. You could have said the three wise men also, all right, all right? And more, three, the, all, Jonah and the whale, of course, all right. Seven, all right, does anybody know seven? All right, all right, shh, 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 hold on, just fist pumper, stand up, fist pumper, stand up, what's the answer? Um, it's the number of days in Seven days in creation, there you go, actually, yeah, that's great, that's great, okay, actually also represents perfection, okay, you'll see it in Revelation, my birthday is 7777, just so you know, draw your own conclusions, people, draw your own conclusions about myself, okay, all right. Number 12, number 12. 12 disciples, what else? All right, everybody, shh. Stand her up or what, what, do you, what do you got? 12 what, commandments? There are, that, he's right, there are more than 10, okay? There are many, and 12 is true. There are 12, plus a few other hundred, okay? The 12 stones, 12 tribes of Israel, you got, let's take a look, what do we got? Shh, 12 tribes of Israel, is the age when Jesus was uh, left at the temple. He was 12 years old. And then the 12 disciples. Now here's the deal. This is what I want to get into tonight. These 12 disciples, right? I don't get it personally. I mean, if I just look at it from a logical standpoint, why in the world would Jesus, if he's got this big important message that he wants to get to the whole world, come down at a time when there was no TV, there was no tweeting, there was no Facebook. There was no mass media. It was just him and 12 dudes. Why would he do that? Like, here, here's, the, here's the thing I was thinking about. If he were to come today, he could get on Dr. Phil. He could get on Oprah. You know, he could go on America's Got Talent or Middle Easterners Have Talent. And he could, he could, he could like feed the whole audience with one snack pack, you know? Like, here you go. Here's one. And then everybody has some. And all of a sudden, they're like, whoa, who is this guy? He could make a tree out of nothing. He's like, there's a tree right here. Made a tree. We're like, how did you do that? Well, I literally made a tree. I make trees. That's what I do. I made a tree out of nothing. I'm Jesus. I'm God, okay? You think you had talent? I made you, all right? I made you. No, you didn't. Yes, I, I'll make your twin right now. Watch me. You know, I don't know what, what you could do. But you, it seems like there'd be a different or better way than to just get 12 fishermen and like 12 dudes who like have no education. You guys, if you've been through high school, um, many of you have more education than they would have had. Now they would have had to go on through some school as kids probably, but really they were tradesmen, these 12 guys. So Jesus has this message and the message is this, we talked about it last night, I'm the way, 
the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. There's just no way to do it. I'm the only way. Every human on planet needs me. Every human is stuck. Every human is in trouble. Every human has sin. And I'm going to be the only way for them to know their Heavenly Father. And here's what I'm going to do. I've got to get this message to the world. So I'm going to pick a small group. I'm going to make a small group. And I'm going to teach that small group some stuff. That's how I'm going to do it. That, to me, that's like, wait, wait, wait. There's so many better ways to do this. If this message is so important, in fact, Paul writes about this message in Romans chapter 10. I'd like for you to take your Bibles out if you have it. Open to Romans chapter 10, verses 1. All right, I'll give you a second to get there. But this message that Jesus had to get to the whole world is so important, I want to make sure you know what it is. So we're looking at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 1 to 2. If you're not there yet, that's okay. We're going to read it anyway. I've got, um, I've got maybe a different version than what you guys have. I have a New Living Translation, so here I'll read it for you. You can follow along as best you can. It says this, Dear brothers and sisters, this is Paul writing to people who live in Rome. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and prayer and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it's misdirected zeal, for they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law, by trying to do good, like many of us do, like Santa Claus says, be good, be nice. If you are, you're going to get what you want. That's the way they're trying to do it. But in verse 4, he says, for Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. Christ did everything right. And as a result, all who believe in him are able to be right with God. See, it's through Christ alone that we can be right with God. This is the message he wants to get to the whole world. The whole world should know. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to Israel. I'm going to go to Jerusalem I'm going to go to a time, I'm going to come at a time when there's no mass media. There's no way to tell the whole world at once. I'm going to select 12 guys of no real stature. They're not important people. They're not really that educated. They're just tradesmen. And I'm going to use them for my plan. Now, why in the world would he do it that way? And why does it matter to you and me? Well, I'm going to try to explain that tonight. Have you ever been asked the question, maybe when you were a little kid, uh, going back to math here a little bit, would you rather be paid a million dollars for a month's uh, work, or would you rather get a penny and double it every day for that same month? Which would you prefer? Now, when I was a kid, I heard that. My mom said that to me one time, and I said, Mom, <laughs> million dollars or a penny doubled every day? You're so stupid. <laughs> duh, million dollars, duh. That's what I said, right, when I was a kid. And if some of you know this already and you go, no, that's, no, actually, Darren, you're the dumb one because actually if you take a penny and you double it, you get two cents, and then you double it again, you get four cents, and you get eight cents, and some of you that aren't catching on, you're like, still not very many cents, you know? And then it's like 16, and then 32 cents, and then 64 cents, and then $1.24, and then $2.48, and then, you know, $4.96, and so on. I can't do any more past that. And the deal is this. When you get to, if you have a month of 30 days or 31 days, what you end up with is either five, between five and $10 million. 
So what you'd want is to take the one that's a penny doubled every day because that's the way multiplication works. And what Jesus knew was that he was going to multiply his efforts by taking 12. When he took 12 dudes, he knew he would then multiply his efforts. Let me show you this and break it down for you a little bit more with a picture. Take a look at this slide right here that we've got. This is how this is going to work. I'm going to hop down here for a second so I can see it. But So you got Jesus at the top. He's got his 12 guys. Now the one that's circled up there, that's, uh, that's uh, who do you think that is? Yeah, that's Judas. He didn't make it, all right? He ended up killing himself. So small group leaders, if your group's not going that well, you might have one or two students who aren't really catching it or getting on. That's okay. Even Jesus had one that didn't quite get it, okay? However, if they want to start selling you, that might be cause for alarm, small group leaders, okay? Watch your back. No, but there, there's, he's, he, each one of these guys, he gets 12, right? And his plan was, well, all 12 of them, they could get their own 12 then once they know it. Once they know it, they could get their own group. And then after three years, Jesus would have trained 12 people. And then six years later, those 12 could have trained 132. Well, it's only 11 of them actually, right? And then those 132, if let's say the same number, one doesn't work out, they could in nine years have 1,400 people. And then after 12 years, it could be 15,000 people. And then in 15 years, it could be 175,000 people. And then 18 years later, it could be 1.9 million. And then 21 years later, it could be 21 million. And then... 24 years later, it could be 233 million. After 27 years, you could reach 25.5 billion people. Now, the problem, of course, is that there weren't 2.5 billion people on earth at the time. But my point is, when one person learns it, they have more ability to teach another person than the first person had to get to that person. Let's say, for example, I teach you. You're going to go back to your school. I don't know anybody at your school. I could never teach them. I wouldn't know how to even begin to find them. But you could. And all of a sudden, what I taught you could now spread into your school. And see, Jesus knew that. He knew that if he taught these 12 and then he left these 12, what he was going to teach them was so compelling. So compelling. What they would see with their eyes, that he would die on a cross, get in a tomb, raise from the dead, overcome death, defeat death, that they wouldn't be able to stop from telling other people, no matter what happened to them. These men were beaten, abused, told to shut up tortured, and many of them, in fact, all of them killed for what they continued to spread. But they did it anyway, because Jesus knew that once they heard, they would tell. Now, we're a lot like them, believe it or not. How many of you have an iPhone in here? You're an iPhone person. Anybody? A few of you? All right. Anybody droid people? You're a droid person? Talking about. All right. Listen, I'm a droid person, okay? I rep the droid. I don't even care. I got an iPhone one time. I hated the dumb thing. I couldn't work the Google Maps. It was stupid. I couldn't, I couldn't uh, dial numbers as fast as I could on my droid because the system was better, far superior. The navigational system, far superior. I don't want to hear from you iPhone people. I don't want to hear it, okay? But here's the deal. I rep my droid to people. I just do because I like it more than I like the iPhone. I know you iPhone people. You rep the iPhone. You know, that's your thing. But isn't it funny how all of us have our stuff you know, if you have a certain coffee that you like to drink, adults, you, you tell people about it. And once you drink at Starburst, you tell people. Oh, Starburst. Star <laughs> Got candy in my mind from this morning. Starbucks, right? You tell people about it. Or some of you wear certain clothes. You shop at certain places. Or some of you wear certain shoes. Or many of you go to a certain school and you talk about that school like it's better than the other schools. Some of you have a specific sports team. You're Bulldog fans or Tech fans or Auburn fans or Alabama fans or Buckeye fans, and you, you tell people LSU lost yesterday and all kinds of different people, right? So 
you've got your stuff and you rep it hardcore. Whatever it is for you, you all have something in your life, whether it's a video game or whatever. Many of you are FIFA nuts. You know, you have stuff that you tell everybody about. And Jesus knew that his guys were going to tell people about him. And so his plan would be that they would multiply his influence into other people. That the 12 would reach some more, who would reach some more, who would reach some more. And if for any reason, stay with me here, if for any reason that message thousands of years later that got passed from one to another, to another, to another, to another. If it's landed in your life, if it's landed upon you, the plan is still in place and it's your turn. The plan was never supposed to stop at anybody. When the truth lands on you that you needed help and that your heavenly father loved you so much that he sent his son to come after you and rescue you, when that truth lands on your life, the plan is still in place for you to pass it on to somebody else because it's still multiplying and it's still being passed on. It's still being carried to the next and the next and the next. So I wonder who's next in your world. Now, uh, I want to show you a, a passage in um, Romans. Uh, we're going to skip to Romans uh, 10, uh, 13 through 15. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay, so right there, stop right there. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved from their sin, and they'll be a new person, right? Okay, that's the plan. That's the message. But here's the question. Next, next slide. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in, and how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard, and how can they hear without someone preaching to them? So... Here's my, here's my deal, you know, like, it's really cool that we're all here together. It's really awesome that, like, we all came together and it's like, we're, like, really feeling the Lord in here. It's really cool that you love him, that you care about him, that he's filling you up and that's part of what he does. But guys, at your schools, some of you go to Collins Hill or Mill Creek or uh, Peachtree Ridge or wherever you go, I don't know them all, Shiloh, I, know, I don't know them all. Listen up, listen up, shh. In your school, there are literally tens of thousands of students not here this weekend. And there are tens of thousands of people who would be included in this category of how can they call on him if they've never heard? How could they ever possibly know him if no one tells them? Can't be, how? I don't know. No way. And so the next verse goes on to say this. How can anyone preach unless they've been sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. It's not, it's not anybody's fault if you don't go and tell somebody if none of us who are your leaders or those who are leading you have taught you to do so, have demonstrated to you how to do so, have helped you see how to do so, have encouraged you to do so. 
And so tonight, before we go, we, we've talked about the Bible. We've talked about how this is what it is. It's good for correcting and teaching and rebuking. We've said we think we can trust it because of these reasons. We've said the message at large is that God came to rescue all of us. And we said this morning, there's a way to know it and study it and understand it and make it mine. And tonight we're saying, you know what, before we leave this place, let's take one more step and say everything we learned here, what I know about my Heavenly Father, I'm not going to keep it to myself. I'm going to pass it on to somebody else. I'm going to do what Jesus did with his 12. I'm going to keep the train rolling. I'm going to do something about it. We want to send you out. We want to encourage you to invite your friends, to share with your friends, to teach your friends that there's a great God in heaven who has not forgotten about them. Now, before you do, I want to illustrate this in a little more simple fashion for you. This is, you know, maybe something that will make a little more sense for you. So I got this here. Um, and I got the 12 disciples here, okay? These are 12 sponges, not actually humans. This is what happens when you die and get old, all right? This is Peter. No. Um, so I've got the 12 disciples, right? Okay, so Jesus, he comes and he teaches them everything they need to know. So we put in the bucket of water, right? Okay? And they get filled up. They get filled up with truth and knowledge and wisdom. They see him die and they raise from the dead and... He raises from the dead, and they see that happen, and then he leaves, and he says, go and tell everybody. And so now they've got the truth, and it's inside of them. It's soaked into them like in a water in a sponge. They could, they could just be done. I got my knowledge. I got it for me. It's good. I'm full. Everything's good in my life. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people in the world who don't know, like this plate from this morning that's still greasy from the steak. It's dirty. Let's just say that's sin all over it. Sin has taken over this plate, and it needs to know how to get it off. And this guy has got how to get it off all wrapped up inside of him. He can look at the plate and be like, oh, dude, you're such a sinner. Stop cussing, you know? Dude, stop drinking. What's wrong with you? Dude, dude, you're such a bad person. Are you having sex with him? Are you, do you look at pornography? Oh, my gosh, that's so sick. What's wrong with you? You do bad things. Ah! You could do that. Because he knows, he knows the truth of, of who God is and, and how to have a relationship with God. And this guy doesn't. And he's dirty and has sin. And you could just look at him and be like, what's wrong with that guy? Or you could take what you know and you could, you could tell him. You could help him get clean. You could teach him. You could pass on what was passed on to you. You could begin to help this person know what you know. See, uh, a sponge is designed for two things. It's designed to be filled up. It's designed to be squeezed out. If all you ever do is fill up, you're not fulfilling the purpose that God has for you. A sponge is designed to be filled up and poured out. And filled up poured out. And Timothy said, or Paul said something to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 2, he said this, the things that I have, that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, I want you to entrust them to people, reliable people, who will also be qualified to teach others. In other words, when you get it, I want you to give it back. When it's in you, and you know it, I want you to find somebody who doesn't. And squeeze it out and show them. 
And you go back to the word like we said this morning, and you keep filling up, but then you pour it out. And you help somebody, and you teach somebody, and you train somebody. That's our job. That's what the Bible tells us to do. If this weekend you, you discover that God is your Father who loves you more than anyone ever will, there's somebody else who needs to know that in your world. If you found out for, about forgiveness this weekend, somebody else needs to know about it. If you've known about Jesus since you were a kid and nobody else in your world knows that you know about that, it's time for you to pour that out. One thing you might do, one thing I tell my students to do, you need to make a list of three to five people in your life who currently, their sponge is dry. They don't know. And you need to put their names on a piece of paper. You need to put it by your desk, by your bed. Those are three to five people you need to be praying for every day. That God will give you the curse. I know what it's like when I was in eighth grade. Somebody told me the same thing. Kim Williams was the girl I was supposed to share with. In my mind, I wrote it down. There was a verse in Romans that says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of forgiveness for everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. I went to school that day. I was like, I'm not, I can't say it. I'd go home and I'd pray, God, just give me the courage. Give me the courage. Give me the courage. I'd go there and I'd be like, hey, Kim. Bye, Kim. Hey, Kim. Bye, Kim. And I struggled with it. It took me a long, long time to be able to tell people. Because sometimes it's embarrassing or like you don't know if they're going to believe you. Or there's lots of excuses we can make. But I tell you what, once I got over that hump and began to learn how to do that, it never got easy. But it's really, really cool. It never got easy. But when, you be, when you're obedient to what God has taught us to do, it becomes really Really cool what you see God do. If you've ever thought to yourself, man, I wish I could get like, I wish I had like God like leading my life and stuff. This is one of the ways you'll see God get involved in your life. You'll see it as you begin to ask him to help you teach others. So here's the deal. As you wrap up, as we wrap up tonight, we're going to do some worship. But I want to tell you one story that really um, made this real in my life. About 100 years ago, about 100 years ago, there was a, um, there was a butcher in Chicago and um, this butcher loved God, knew God, worked in the, in the butcher shop with a guy named Russell. Russell didn't know God. Russell was real into smoking, drinking, living whatever way he wanted to. This butcher who knew God said, you know what? I got to tell Russell. 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 You know what? Finally, he told Russell. And Russell, in the butcher shop, got down on his knees and prayed and asked Jesus to come into his life. That was over 100 years ago. And then Russell, he had a kid. His name was Richard. And Richard was told by Russell about his heavenly father. And then Richard had a kid. In fact, he had four. And I'm one of them. And Richard told Darren, when Darren was five years old, he asked Jesus to come into his life. It changed his life forever because of a butcher that I never met. Don't know where he is. Don't know who he is. But he told my grandfather about Jesus and his love. And it was awkward and it was difficult. But if he hadn't told him, I fear where I would be today. I might not know about my heavenly father. I wonder who you could tell 
that maybe someday they'll tell their son who will tell his son. And a hundred years from today, you'll never meet him, but there'll be another pastor someday on a stage telling some kids about Jesus because you had the courage to tell Tom in, in math class or Sarah in chemistry or whatever the person is in your life. You don't know the difference you're gonna make because Jesus set up a plan to multiply this truth through all the generations. He started with 12. And they told some, and they told some, and they told some, and, and Paul said, Timothy, you tell some, and Timothy said, all right, I'll tell some, and then I'll tell them to tell some, and somebody told Russell, who told Richard, who told me, and I'm telling you, you got to go tell somebody, because you never know where your efforts are going to multiply and move to. You just don't know what God can do through one faithful person saying, I'll pray for some. I'll tell some, I'll do it, I'll go. See, the story of the Bible is this. It's useful for teaching, correcting, training. God will rescue you. And that's not the end of the story. You get to be a part of helping rescue others. That's what the Bible teaches all of us. And the more you get to know it, the more you'll be equipped to do so. We're gonna pray and we're gonna worship we're going to wrap up this night together. God, thanks so much for loving us. God, thank you for faithful men and women who, who didn't shrink back in the face of fear. Who said, this is too serious, this is too big of a deal to not tell it. Thank you for that butcher that I don't know. Thank you for your son who came to die for us. God, if there's anyone in this room who isn't yet convinced that you really love them and that you're really there for them, God, tonight before they leave this camp, would you help them to find somebody and say, I want in on all this. I want to know him. I want to make him mine. I want to be his child. For those who are confident they're supposed to tell but scared to death to do it, God, give them courage. Give them wisdom. Give them hope. Give them the words. Give them the people they need to talk to. God, we love you. We are so grateful for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.